0: And so if you are, uh, don't have a Bible, you forgot your Bible, feel free to use that uh, pew Bible, and that will be great. And I'll start my official timer here so we can all stay on track. Amen? Amen. Uh, well, if you didn't say amen, we can preach all day. So <laughs> that's right. Well, happy Mother's Day to all our mothers here this morning. I, I wrote up a little uh, ditty, we'll call it, and it's called when motherhood has truly set in. And if your mother, or you're, you, well, hopefully you have a mother, you came from somewhere, so uh, this, this may apply to you. You know your mother when you offer to cut up other people's food. You hide in the bathroom to be alone. Uh, You hope ketchup is a vegetable because that's the only thing that your kid will eat, and that's our son right now. Uh, Your child throws up and you catch it and don't think anything of it. Someone else's kid throws up and you keep on eating because you've seen it before, no problem. You read that the average five-year-old asks 492 questions a day, and you feel proud that your child is above average. You use your own saliva to clean off your child's face. Anyone ever done that before? Even fathers have done that. You count the sprinkles on each kid's cupcake because you want to be fair. You can't bear the thought of your son's first girlfriend, or even worse, you can't even bear the thought of his wife even more. Because in the back of your mind, you hear your mother's voice and you sound just like her. And then you stop criticizing the way your mother raised you and found it's actually not a bad thing. And then you hire a babysitter because you can't remember the last time you went out with your husband. But the whole time you're out, you keep calling the babysitter to see how the kids are. And we done that with kids. You, you've been there, done that. And, and one day you say at least once a day, I'm not cut out for this job. But if you're a mother here today, you know as well as I do that you wouldn't trade it for the world, would you? You would never trade it for the world. A lot of heads are shaking no. Your mother, happy Mother's Day to you. But Mother's Day is when a pastor preaches about mom's awesomeness, and Father's Day is when a pastor tells a dad to get his act together. Have you ever noticed that before? <laughs> it's very true. It's, but it's two sides of the, the non gospel coin. Mother's Day are when dads suck it up for one day and do the stuff that they should have been doing the other 364 days out of the year. Mother's Day is like high attendance Sunday, and Father's Day is like the low attendance Sunday. If you, you, you can acknowledge that if you've been there. But honoring moms is biblical, but do you know that Mother's Day is not? Did you ever think about that? It's good, but it's not absolute. But as we go through church today, mothers know you're honored, but we are still going to share with you the greatest message that I can preach on any Mother's Day. It's about Jesus Christ, and that is the truth. If you're a mother here today and you know Christ, that is the greatest treasure that you have. And if you, if you go hit the next slide for me, Amy, you know, you may be here, and I, I, this may not be something anyone knows. And I'm just going to be very frank. Maybe maybe you've lost a child uh, in uh, stillbirth. Maybe you've lost a child in a miscarriage or sadly in an abortion at some point. I think this verse applies to you if you are motherless here today or you're a young single woman who's never been married or had a child. Uh, This is from Isaiah 56.5. It says, Even to them will I give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than all the sons and all the daughters. God promises us that if we are in Him, that the name that we have is greater than any of our sons or daughters. And if you have sons or daughters, praise the Lord for that, amen? But if you do not have a child or you've lost a child, may I encourage you today, this is a hard day for some people on that boat, isn't it? But what an encouragement to know that God knows your name and that that is the greatest blessing that we have. But whether you are a mother on this day, a father, a child, whatever you are, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, just like you laughed at those characteristics of a mother. There's also true characteristics of a church member that we are going to read about today. Like a mother that can tell when her child is, is having a trouble or is doing something right, a healthy church member has certain signs of life. And as we continue on through our study of Philippians, I've slowed it down a little bit because I think there's some meat what we're going to look at today. We're going to ask some questions. First, what are the signs of a healthy church member? Or even a better question, what is a church member? Did you just sign a card and poof, you're a member of Tower View Baptist Church? How do you become one? It's a question we're gonna answer today. But the thing I want you to get is this, and each Sunday I'm gonna try and put up a slide. It's kind of what you might call the thesis statement or the summary statement or the takeaway. Sometimes with all the bullets that come up, you're like, where are we going with this? This is the takeaway package that you can write on and know where we're headed and, and remember it. It's even tweetable if you're into that stuff. You want to tweet this out? This is less than 140 characters if you're into that sort of thing. It'll fit on Facebook too. But as Christians, if you are a Christian, you are to be an active, functioning member of Christ's body. That is the local church. But the question is, what is a church member? Again, is it just signing a card? Is it just raising your hand and walking an aisle? Is it, what is it? Well, church membership is a formal relationship between the church and the Christian, where the church's job is to have oversight or priority, to grow that person up, to disciple them. But the Christian's job is to submit in his or her growing in the Lord to the local church. And we'll unpack that a little bit as we go today. But today, I may be speaking to several different groups of people. You may be here today, and you may have not been baptized but claim Jesus Christ. Can I urge you today, if you are a Christian who says, I don't want anything with baptism, but I want Jesus Christ, that you are disobeying the one command that Christ said, the first command, go therefore and be baptized. And this message may be for you. There are some of you who today who are very healthy and functioning physically, but have long since given up on serving the church. You used to be a faithful, useful, functional member, but maybe you've not been as involved. Maybe you haven't been as depended upon. Maybe you've had a hard time making it to services, and certainly things come up. This message might be for you. But most of you here today are faithful. You are functioning members of Christ's body. You are faithful to the cause. And I want to encourage you to stay that course, to keep going that way. Because God is using Tower View Baptist Church as his hands, as his feet, and as everything that he has happened. If you missed Wednesday, last Wednesday night at the Awana Berlin and and Iwana workers, thank you for encouraging me. And thank you for encouraging our kids. If you have not been here, you can clap for that. You have not been here for that. This statement that you see up on the screen is very true. So many hands go through this week, but each of us is to be an active, functioning member of Christ's body, the local church. Well, where will we go with that today? I want' you to see three signs from Philippians 1, three through five. First off, you're going to see Paul talks about having as a church member, a thankful heart in verse three, a joyful spirit in verse four, and a gospel focus. You know, someone asked me. One of my friends asked me the other day. He said, "What are you preaching on?" I said, "I'm preaching on the gospel." And he said, "Really? You do that every week?" Like, "Yep. You're you're just you're getting it. You're it, it's sinking in." You see, because the prayer we're going to look at is a prayer that should be a prayer for you, for me, me for you. This prayer should be for every family, every mother, every father, every child, for every small group leader or Sunday school teacher, for anyone who's a Christian. The things that we will see in today's passage will make sense when we look at it that way. It's the gold standard by which prayers are judged. And as a pastor, this is the closest that we'll read here in a second, that I can get to being a mother and understanding childbirth. That sounds weird, but just just walk with me for a second. As a mother, as a father, if you've seen a, a, a baby born, you know that that first moment a mom holds a baby, it is the most precious thing, is it not? It's a necessary thing. It's a natural thing. And so the two become one, and they're welded together. And this is exactly how Paul felt for the Philippians. It wasn't the length of time that he was there. In fact, he wasn't there very long, but it was a short trip. But it was the depth of the experience that he had with them that made the difference. Because out of Paul's ministry came a church. A church was birthed. If you recall from last week, we said that Paul started with three people. Do you remember who they were? There was Lydia, the rich lady. There was the slave girl who became a Christian, and there was the one everyone else liked, that blue-collar Bob. Do you remember that name from last week? He's still there. But it was the first church Paul started at the Church of Philippi in Europe, the first church ever in Europe. What an amazing thing. But no other church was as close to the heart of Paul that we know of as far as the Philippians were. He was 800 miles away, locked away in a jail, yet 10 years on he still thinks about them. He still thinks about the time when he saw God do an amazing, amazing work, and he's thinking, "I wonder how they're doing. Are they thankful? Are they joyful? Are they still focused on the gospel?" Because, folks, the problems that they had back in that day is still problems that we will have this day. And so, with that understanding, let us go before the Word today as we read First uh, Philippians, actually one, three through five. If you'll join me in standing, if you're able, for the reading and uh, honoring of God's Word this morning. Philippians 1, 3 through 5, Paul writes this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Last week we looked at a church that is truly a healthy church, understands where it comes from and its identity. We understand that leaders lead by example and we walk in grace and truth. Today, For you, if you're a church member here, or you're seeking membership, or you're interested, what is Tower View Baptist Church all about? We're about the gospel, we're about knowing Christ, growing in Christ, sharing Christ, and the last one, church members, serving Christ. That's right. Let's go before the Lord in prayer today as we start. Father, we are so, so grateful that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Father, I pray for each person in this room, if they're a church member or not, that we would honor our lives with you. Father, there may be a person here who's not a member of this church but is active somewhere else. May they serve faithfully in that church. Father, give us wisdom. May your words speak forth from this uh, message today. Father, thank you for our mothers, Lord. We, We honor them today, but we thank you especially for those who raised us to know Christ. And we thank you for that, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very, very much. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we go together here and and, and study this. But notice in verse 3 what Paul does. He begins by expressing to them how grateful he is to God for them. He said, I thank God for every remembrance of you. That's positive, isn't it? It's intensely positive. In fact, he says, I'm so deeply grateful to you that I cannot get you out of my mind. My thoughts are always on you. Paul is saying whether he's in this city or that city, his thoughts remain on that first point, a thankful heart, a thankful heart. He says, I can see your faces. I can see your devotion to Christ. I can see when you come to faith in Christ, when you came to faith in Christ. It's kind of like what we say a little bit. Ever heard that phrase, out of sight, out of mind? And it's typically a bad thing. But Paul here has the Philippians out of sight. He's 800 miles away. Uh, Alan isn't it from Chicago yes you're about 800 miles away you live in Chicago and that's about 800 miles from here it's a long way away but Paul has them in his heart he's permanently etched in his heart this relationship with the Philippians so much it's like indelible ink it won't go away so why does he do this because he's eager to hear how they're doing in Jesus Christ but yet he doesn't hear all these things and he's still thankful the first thing I want to encourage you with today. If you're a healthy church member, your thankfulness is not based on situations. That is spotty at best. It is based on the gospel truths that are unshakable, unshakable. If your thankfulness as a church member is based upon how many people are in this room today, that's going to ebb and flow because you know what? When the Royals win the World Series this year, it's going to be a very low attendance or it could be a very high attendance depending on how you look at it. But he says that word remembrance here. Look back at your verse. It says, remember, I remember you in all my remembrances. It had been 10 years since he had been there. Paul had gone from Thessalonica to Berea to Athens to Corinth to Ephesus to Greece to Troas to Caesarea to Jerusalem to Malta to Rome. But in all of his places of ministry, he said, I can't get you out of my mind. I'm sure that's how Josh and Christina feel about each other before their marriage. They just keep thinking about each other. It's, it's what you do. And you remember when you were younger in love, and you should still have that today? You just keep thinking about that other person. Despite all the places he'd gone, Paul had these people close to their hearts, and they had their hearts welded together because they were thankful for what God had done. Did you notice he said that word in all my remembrances? Folks, there are going to be times of this church, good times and bad times, times where we're at the the peak and times we're at the valley. But no church is perfect. Paul will have to untie a lot of knots. In fact, in chapter 4, there's going to be some ladies who are fighting about something that he's going to have to untie those knots from. But you know what? He's still thankful for them. He's still thankful for them. He says, thanks. But who's he giving thanks to? He's giving thanks to God. Did you notice that? He's giving thanks to what God did and thanks for giving God to him through the Philippians. The church is what it is by the work of God. Folks, we can bring as many ministers as we want in here. We can serve till we're blue in the face. But if God doesn't bless it, we have nothing except energy spinning. God must give the blessing. God must give the increase because it's all that. Look at verse 6. We'll be here next week, but look at verse 6 with me. It says, and I am sure of this, that he, that's God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I think what we get out of this is for a healthy church member not only is thankful at all times, but a healthy church member doesn't look within, a healthy church member looks up. A healthy church member does not look within. It is so easy, and I don't know if you're like this, but I think, oh, I'm having a great day today, and then some bad news happens, and it's the worst day ever. Ever been there before? Some of us live so much on the encouragement that we get that we forget that God is the one that is the greatest encourager for us, because he is God. But did you notice what Paul said here? He didn't just say, I'm thankful for you. He said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Paul is very personal. He has a personal relationship with God. Folks, that is what people are praying for right now all around the world. This is why Muslims pray five times a day in the hope that Allah will hear them. This is why Buddhists spin the wheels that they spin in the Tibetan mountains, hoping that someday they'll hit nirvana. We don't just say that we have a God. We have the God. If you're a husband here today, I hope you don't just have a wife. I hope you have the wife, and that's your wife. Amen? I hope you just don't have a mother. I hope you have the mother of your life. And he is showing what an intimate, thankful relationship looks like through the Philippians. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Folks, this is where it all begins. If you want to be a healthy member of this local church, it begins with thanking God for who he is and thanking God that He's placed the people that He has in your life. I think you can say it this way. God isn't simply at the top of your priority list, your personal priority list. He should be at the center of everything. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? But one complaint, one unthankful spirit can take you from, God, thank you for everything. Oh, but the bacon was burned at the burger joint. I want you to know that even though I've only known you for, this is my fourth Sunday here, believe it or not, and I am thankful for you. My wife, Natalie's helping in the nursery today, but my wife and I have seen your heart. We've seen your encouragement. We've seen your joy. We've seen that together we are here for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So i want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for encouraging us that way. And friends, that's what it's all about. The way that you love and support us is the way we see a picture of uh, Paul being supported by the Philippians. You know, I don't know if you're counting down your clocks, but uh, Thanksgiving is actually in 202 days. Some of you are already starting your, uh, your, your pies right away. You know, I heard a story, and this is, uh, I try and take all these stories to the newspapers. They're not just those made-up stories preachers sometimes have. The true story from last November, a gentleman called his son David in New York and said, I hate to tell you this over the phone, but I'm divorcing your mother. 43 years is misery long enough, is what he told his son. His son just got mad and scolded him and threw all these questions at him, and he said, Son, I'm sorry, but I don't have the energy to talk about this. Will you call your sister for me? Hangs up the phone. Hangs up the phone. Phone rings to the father in five minutes. So she says, "Dad, don't do anything before we get there. We'll be there tomorrow." And you know, being a good dad, he said, "Well, thank you, honey. We'll see you tomorrow." And after this, the father gets off the phone and smiles at the wife and says, uh, "Okay, they're coming for Thanksgiving. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, what do you want me to do to get here, them here?" For Christmas. I hate to think what that was. You know, if you're a Christian, sometimes we have to conjure up or make up or force our way through thankfulness to get people to be thankful for what God has done in their lives. If you're a Christian here today, can I ask you, are you content in Jesus Christ this morning? Philippians 4, Paul will say that he learned in good or bad times to be content because he had Christ. Is there a complaint in your life? Maybe you don't say it publicly, maybe you say it to your spouse. I don't like this about my life. Have you trusted God with the results? See, one of the reasons we gather here as a church each Sunday and each Wednesday and each every time we come together is because we remember what God has done and give him praise for that. And a healthy church member can say with Paul, I thank my God, even though you may have said this about me, even though I may have been hurt, even though whatever may have happened in this church, old times or now, I am thankful that there is forgiveness in Christ and I'm thankful that you're here to worship with me. That is what a healthy church member says. But if you're not a Christian here this morning, when we talk about my God and my relationship with God, this is what it's all about. If you do not know Jesus Christ, let me say that it is the most abundant relationship that you can ever have. Christ offers you the world literally through him. It's not just something you add on like a trinket. You may have the house, the car, the kids. Jesus isn't just a little accessory you add on to your life. Jesus is either your life or he's not. And so sometimes we have a hard time believing that love, don't we? Sometimes we think God won't forgive us or that somehow we can earn his favor. Neither of those are true. If you are not a Christian here today, let me encourage you with this truth. Though we deserve his eternal wrath, we are rebel sinners. Christ took that wrath upon himself. We deserve hell and judgment, but God stepped his son perfectly in our place, fully and completely, to be like that sponge that sucked up all the water of sin. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. Will you come to him today? If you're a church member here today, do you have a thankful spirit for what's happening here? There's a lot of changes you would like to see. There's a lot of changes I would like to see. But are you thankful for what God is doing right now in this moment? And are you praying with thanks for what he's going to do now in the future as we go forward? Got that first point down? Let's go to the second point. A healthy church member has a joyful spirit. A joyful spirit. Paul is filled with with joy that sounds so easy to say you know we put those signs up at christmas but he's filled with joy look back at verse four with with me one more time he says always in every prayer of mine for you all for y'all i don't know how you say y'all you all have you you can make fun of me later y'all making my prayer with joy it is one thing to remember people like a thank you note it's another thing to remember people and have joy as you remember them some of you, as you think about people in your life, you don't have joy. You think of someone and you're, you just get, you're like a thermometer. You're, you're, you know, your heat goes all the way up from there. But to have joy meant so much because it's a very special thing. And I want you to remember this. True joy in this life doesn't come from you. The greatest threat to your joy actually is to forget that your joy comes from God himself. Friends, if you forget who you are, preach the gospel to yourself. I was a sinner. I was headed for hell, but by God's grace, he saved me. What joy is there other than that? Our joy is in Christ. But he says, always in every prayer of mine. That word always there speaks of the frequency of his prayer. He doesn't say, well, once a week, or as my smartphone reminds me, always I pray for you. But isn't that the blessing of praying for someone else? Isn't it the blessing that whether I'm here in Chicago or uh, as Josh goes to Oklahoma, wherever you are, that you can pray for someone else. You don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through an imam. You don't have to go through a monk. You go to the holy God of Israel one to one. It's like Paul's bringing a sweet-smelling aroma to God's throne for these people. And he says that word prayer. It's a unique word in the Greek. It speaks of petitions and requests. It's not just a Hail Mary prayer that, God, I didn't study for this test, and i got to get an A to graduate. No, it's a prayer that took some thought. It's not a Hallmark card prayer. If you have your Bible still, look down at verses 9 through 11. What was Paul praying for them? We're not going to study this but in a couple weeks, but I want you to see what he was praying. Verses 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and with all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory of God the Father. What Paul is praying with joy for them is that they would have an abundant Christ-centered relationship in everything that they do as a church and as church members. This is what every wife should pray for their husband. This is what every husband should pray for their wife. Single person, this is what you should pray for your future spouse, should God be glorified to give you a spouse? Parents. is what you should pray for your kids. Church, this is what you should pray for each other as you pray. What Paul is praying is not just for physical needs, and there's nothing wrong with praying for someone's health, but what he's praying for is even more transcendent, more lofty, and more elevated. It's a prayer for them to grow to know Jesus Christ. But he does it with joy. I don't know what brings you joy in this life, but that's probably passing through your head. But when you get it, you just want to talk about it. I've never met a new mama who hasn't liked to talk about her baby, amen? And if they don't talk about their baby, that's, there's probably something going on there. But all joy increases with Paul. He uses this word 14 times in the book. So what is joy? First, I want you to see that joy, true joy, is from love. True joy is from love. You know, happiness can be all around the world. I get happy when the Royals win. I I talk about the Royals a lot. I get happy when the Chiefs win too, but that doesn't happen very often. So (laughs) we can all laugh at that. Aren't you grateful, though, for the the blessings of just knowing, we call it common grace. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Things that God gives people who don't know Him and God gives people that do know Him. But that's happiness. True joy runs far deeper than that. True joy isn't dependent on our circumstances. True joy is our relationship to Jesus Christ. Flip over your Bibles to chapter 3 very briefly with me. Chapter 3, verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. If you're on your iPad, you can scroll across and uh, be super cool that way. Paul says this: finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord. Brothers and sisters, ladies, that is in the plural there. What is Paul praying for? Paul is praying for these people that as a church member, they would have joy in every circumstance because joy comes from love. The love God gave them is the love they should have one to another in the church and one to another outside the church. Isn't it great? You know, I think about Cameron today and Cameron has come to know Jesus Christ and as a new believer, it is like you can do nothing wrong with God. Some of y'all remember that experience when you became a Christian. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. It's like you could do nothing there, nothing could stop you. And then all of a sudden you learn that this Christian life, it's, it's joyful, but man, it's hard. It's hard. But joy comes from love. Philippians 4, verse 4, if you'll flip there very quickly before we go back to chapter 1. Some of you all know this, and it's an old song, Rejoice in the Lord Always. And again, I say rejoice. Folks, his joy came as a pastor for this church and as a prayer for them from love. Is your joy based on how people treat you, or is your joy first found in Jesus Christ? Second thing I see here is Paul, if you'll go back to chapter 1, the joy he has is in the advancement of the gospel. The joy he has is in the advancement of the gospel. Does it just not get you super silly happy when you hear about someone coming to Jesus Christ? Does it not get you joyous? I, you know, Deb, I see you, you nodding your head. I think about Luke over uh, with Steiger International serving in Russia right now. You know, we're going to hear stories from them about how people have come to Christ. Have you prayed for your neighbors, your family members, that they too would know Jesus Christ? Or is your heart such that you say, man, I don't want anything to do with that? Well, here's what Paul says in verse, go back, we're just going to skip to verse 18 of chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 18. I want to show you how Paul had joy even when other people wronged him. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Folks, people were trying to take over for the Apostle Paul. Paul was in jail, so people tried to take over his leadership, his authority, his everything. And he said, look, I don't care if they preach Christ all day and make fun of me. As long as Christ is preached, that's what matters. That's why we can stand up here and pray for Clay Como Baptist Church down the road. Because we are not in a gold medal race for who has the most souls. We are in a gold medal race for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that includes all Christians everywhere who are true believers. Amen? Amen. Friends, I want you to know that Paul received joy from the advancement of the gospel. Are you feeling discouraged this week? Hop on our international mission board, imb.org, and read about what God is doing around the world. Hop on nam.net, the North American mission board where your Annie Armstrong Easter offering went. Read about what God is doing. If you want to be encouraged, go talk to Verleed and some of the other Iwana workers about what God is doing. Talk to the youth. There's so much happening here, the advancement of the gospel. But the last thing he prays to them, joy for Paul, comes from when people live out what they say, live out what they say. He puts it this way. They act in a manner worthy of the call, worthy of the call. Will you look at verse 27 with me? Where's Paul getting this joy from? Paul's getting this joy from Verse 27. He prays this, he says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with the gospel. Friends, this church that Paul prayed for is a church that no matter what happened, they sought to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. They were not the church that partied hard from Monday through Saturday and acted all holy on Sunday morning. Man, this church was on fire for Jesus because they wanted Jesus to take over every part of their lives. If they were in the cube farm at work, they wanted that cubicle to be all about Jesus Christ. If they were working at a construction job or a, a blue-collar job, they wanted every part, turn, everything that they did, every paint brush stroke they did about Jesus Christ. They wanted every fam- everything about Jesus. Paul's prayer for them and a, a prayer for you as a church member, are you living out what Christ asked you to do, let me give you this example. We had some birthdays this week, and we'll have more birthdays next week. But uh, one thing that happened in 1893—some of y'all know this story. You know the song "Happy Birthday" to you. Do you know how that started? I actually, started out in Kentucky by a teacher trying to get her students to feel special in the morning. It's a, it's a very neat thing. But her sister decided to make a small change. Instead of the original tune of "Good Morning to You," "Good Morning to You," she changed it to. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you. And do you know that they make about $5 million a year based on that song being played? So we should be paying these people every time we sing happy birthday. You say, well, what's the point of all that? Isn't it amazing that such a small change can make such a big difference? Where would that song have been if it was good morning to you? I don't know what we would sing at happy birthday songs. But friends, I think this tells us that a small change in how we view our relationship with each other in the church changes a lot of things as well. Paul's church was obligated to show each other love and joy and thankfulness. Can I ask you this morning, do you invest yourself in others in this church? Do you seek out ways to pray for people? And there's an app for that if you need help with that. Do you care for others? I have it on mine. You can come talk to me afterwards. Do you find joy in praying for other people? Not just, oh yeah, I'll pray for you, Father. Do you find joy in laboring for weeks and months on end for someone who asks you to pray for something? Do you find joy in opening up your home to talk about what God is doing? Do you find joy in serving in what God is doing? Let us always remember to pray for one another, to represent each other before the throne of grace with joy, with joy. May you pray for me to do the same. May we do that together. So if you're a church member today, do you have a thankful heart? Are you filled with joy for what God is doing? Not just because your favorite sports team won, but because of what God is doing. And the last thing, and it's that word we're gonna use so much here, the last thing you'll see is a gospel focus. If you're a healthy church member, man, you have a thankful spirit because of what God's done for you. You're joyous because of what God's done for you. But you are happy in the Lord, joyful in the Lord. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, if we do not have a gospel focus, we become just like a country club. Do you ever think about it like that? If we don't have the gospel, we're just another social organization. We might as well go, and I'm not knocking these organizations. We might as well be a Rotary Club or Kiwanis. Those are great organizations. But what I'm saying is this. What sets us apart as a church, what sets you apart as a church member, is not just because you sit here each week, but because we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? we are gathering together vertically because that's what God has done. If we lose the gospel focus, we are just another horizontal relationship. The gospel has to be the center of everything we do because it was the center for everything that Paul did. Look back at verse five of chapter one. He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He basically says this to the Philippians. He says, look, I know your gospel people. From the moment you believed until the moment now, You've been all about the gospel. You are about spreading it, giving to it, and going forward and living like the gospel, living it out. That word there is one of Josh and I's favorite words. I think I'm speaking for Josh. That word participation is a Greek word. I'm going to test your knowledge here, kind of get us going. Can you say this with me? Koinonia. Koinonia. There you go. You can impress your friends as you go home. And I'll I'll expect a royalty check afterwards. But koinonia means a fellowship or a communion. It's an intimate relationship between people. In the book of Luke, it's used to describe Andrew, James, and John. Do you remember what they used to do? They're, a lot, they're like a lot of you guys like to do. They were fishermen. They were fishermen. They had a koinonia of fishing. They had a business. But what Paul is talking about, about having a gospel focus here, friends, is he is talking about a total life transformation. The Philippians had put all their cards and on, chips on the table, and they were all in. They were in financially. They gave to Paul more than any other church. They were in prayerfully. They prayed for him probably more than anyone because their gifts went with their their prayers went with their gifts. They were more gospel-centered than any of the others. Why? Because they were in the gospel business. Friends, if you're here today and you're a Christian, you are united together with other churches as as a unit. We are not one single person here or there. Now, I am I know this name, and I'm going to date myself a little bit because I'm a little bit of this generation, sort of. Lone Ranger. Who used to watch the Lone Ranger cartoons? Some hands go up. Who has seen the Lone Ranger movie? That's the, uh, some of you all know what it is. You know, there is no Lone Ranger Christianity. There's a lot of technology out there today and good technology out there today. But if you are a Christian and you are not actively fellowshipping, encouraging, stirring one another up, as Hebrews said, and locking arms with each other, you are a lone ranger Christian. And church, the Bible knows no lone ranger Christianity. It knows only one faith, one Lord, one baptism that we sang about this morning. If you think you can log on to a computer, log on to some live stream video, in your PJs and worship God, you can. But a true healthy church member has a gospel focus. And a gospel focus tells you that you need to be an active body of Jesus Christ at a local church. So what does this mean for us? It means that often we need to realize what that participation is. Fellowship is not just talking about the royals or having a good meal. Fellowship is living out the gospel together, specifically evangelism. Evangelism is, also, also, uh, is often used one-to-one. We share one-to-one with people. But evangelism is what you might call a team sport. You have been put in a place where you are at in life right now, where you are called to reach someone that I may not be able to reach. They hear the name Baptist. the name pastor. They're gonna run. A, they're gonna run a marathon twice over just to get away, just get away from me. Because that's how it is in most people's day. But you have been called to find a place and recognize your unique cause to evangelism, friends. You have a unique cause. There are people that may be running through your mind right now at work, at home. Maybe it's your neighbor who has those loud barking dogs that wake you up at all times of the night. Maybe it's your coworker who just can't talk about it. I don't know who it is, but are you praying that your gospel focus, like Paul, that you would unite together and we would come together and share what God is doing through the gospel? There's no greater business than the gospel business. But let me also say this. That word koinonia can also mean fellowship. And you can have a relationship with someone, but if they're not a believer, there's no true fellowship. Paul understood, and any healthy church member understands, that all fellowship is in the gospel. If you're a young person here today, single, or you're you're not married, you're a teenager, let hear your pastor say this. I know Dr. McAlpin preached on this through 1 Thessalonians, but it's worth repeating. If you are a Christian, you should only marry another Christian. Friends, I'm just going to say it. We are not called with one man and one man, or one woman and one woman. We are called between marriage, between one woman and one man for a lifetime, and that is in the Lord. If you marry an unbeliever, you have God as your father. That unbeliever, according to John 8, has Satan as his father. You will then have the devil as your father-in-law. And then we kind of smirk of that. It's true though, isn't it? You've really married into Sutton if that's the case. Church, you have to be careful that as we participate in the gospel together and have that focus with evangelism, living out the gospel and sharing Christ, that we are focused on what God would have us focus on. He says, from the first day until now, it is a work of God. Friends, if you're a church member here today, is your focus from the first day you stepped into Tower View Baptist Church until the Lord calls you away, whether by death or by transfer or whatever it is, are you thankful that there's a gospel focus? Let me end on this. I know many of you know about Facebook, and many of you know uh, the, the creator Mark Zuckerberg, Uh, He started Facebook in his dorm room. uh, It's been, I believe, uh, my notes say 2003, 2004. He started it. Many of you have seen the movie, um, which is called The Social Network. Seen that movie? And you know now that the world has almost two out of every five people in the world are on Facebook. Wow. That is crazy. You know, and Zuckerberg had a personal biography written about him. And the biographer asked him, he said, what is your goal With Facebook, now that you have almost 1.5 billion, 1.75 billion people. And Zuckerberg said this in a recent interview. He said, I want everyone on the planet to use it, know it, love it, and make it a minute-by-minute part of their lives. Woo! That's scary, isn't it? I think going to take over our lives after a while if it already hasn't. It is a phenomenal success. He wants every person everywhere from the high mountaintops out in the middle of the rainforest to the most populous city to use Facebook. Friends, that's the kind of vision that Paul had for the gospel. Mark Zuckerberg's talking about a social media thing. As a church, are we praying? Can we pray that the gospel would go to Grace Moore, to Randolph, to wherever we may live in this city? May the gospel be our focus. And as a healthy church member, would you pray this week? Would you pray that churches everywhere here in this area would spread the gospel truly, boldly, lovingly, openly? Because friends, there's a lot of churches that don't spread the gospel. And I am grateful that you have been led so well prior to my coming with John, Dr. Shanuel, before, that they preached the gospel. And that's what we're going to continue to do here. Amen? Amen. At the heart of this church that Paul's talking about is the heart of a people that had a gospel focus. Do you remember what I told you at the very beginning? This is the last point. We are all to be active, functioning members of Christ's body. Sir, ma'am, how are you doing with that today? Are you just a Are you a follower or are you a fan, to use the current lingo? Are you just a fan of Jesus Christ or are you truly following him? Have you liked him on Facebook and that's great with everybody else? Are you willing to put that out there that, man, I'm sold out for Jesus Christ? Sounds so easy, sounds so churchy to do, but honestly, it starts with a thankful heart. Check yourself this week at work, at home. It starts with a joyful spirit. Lord, am I praying with joy for other people? Friends, this doesn't mean that the church is just going to be this, this, uh, this Mayberry, to use that old language, where it's this perfect town where everyone gets along and smiles like I, mean, I get Adam all the time. He smiles all the time. I love Adam's smile. You know, it doesn't mean we're, all, we're going to go through hard times. Real life is going to hit. But the joy is found in knowing Jesus Christ. And the joy is found in having that gospel focus. As we come to a time of closing, I want to invite you, if you do not know Jesus Christ, God loved you so much he gave his only son for you, but you hated him so much you were in this world born. But God gave his son for you. God gave his son for you. He sent forth Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, born under the law to die the perfect death, to live the life we couldn't live. And it was God's wrath, his righteous indignation that was poured out for us on Calvary. Friends, don't ever believe anything that tells you otherwise. The wrath of God was fully, completely absorbed. Is God love? Yes. But God had to put away sin, and he did that with his son. And he calls everyone everywhere to repent, to turn 180 from their sin and trust in him. If you are not a Christian, I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to pile drive you to the ground. But I'm going to ask you that honest question. Do you know Jesus Christ? If you are here today and you need prayer, we'll be up here. Uh, John... um, Higgins and I will be in the back. We'll be shaking some hands in the back as usual. If you need prayer, pull one of us aside. We'll be happy to do that. Maybe you're curious about Tower View Baptist Church. You want to know what we do here. Why should I join this church? How do I join this church? John and myself would be more than happy to talk to you about that, or any of the deacons would be more than happy to talk to you about that. Maybe you need to be baptized this morning. What is it in your life, in my life, that we need to do to focus more on what God has done in Jesus Christ? let's bow our heads let's pray and we'll have the worship team come on up father it's so easy to to preach these words lord i know even studying this it's it's churchy lord it sounds good it it preaches lord thankfulness joyfulness gospel focusedness lord if that's a word but father it's so hard to live out father we're going to walk out of here in about 15 minutes 20 minutes and we're going to go home to our routines our our families our problems our jobs our neighborhoods, whatever's there, and Lord, it's going to bite at us. Satan's going to bite at us and say, you're really not that thankful. You're really not that joyful. You're really not that gospel-focused. Father, thank you that you've already defeated the enemy, Satan, once for all. Father, thank you that, as Romans 16 says, that you will soon crush him underneath your feet. Father, thank you he has no power except that you give him by your sovereign hand. But Lord, we are so grateful this morning. I pray for this church that we would grow in thankfulness and joyfulness and in gospel participation. Father, I pray that as we go forward, that that would be our cry as church members and our cry as a church. Father, thank you that we have a reason to meet. It's not just because of cookies. Those are great. It's not just because of friendships and relationships in the church. Those are better. But, Lord, it's because the best has been offered to us, and that is you did not even spare your own son, Lord. You let him come to us. Father, thank you so much. We pray this all today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I just randomly thought, how many of you have seen this?